Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. put the upper room on my heart and and all week I planned that um, and and had did this whole study how many times the upper rooms mentioned in the word from Old Testament to New Testament so why why are we here why is it called upper room and uh, it's this place of safety this place of rest this place of of prayer of worship and all through the Bible there's these different areas where they use the upper room and uh, so we'll get to that but the Lord put it on my heart this morning I woke up uh, started waking up around 6.25. I think I actually got out of bed around 7.25. Um, so at any rate, it was like I just began to hear the Lord talk about freedom and Independence Day and how today, you know, we're in liberty. We, we have the liberty. We have the freedom of Christ. And it just got me really excited for that. So I quickly um, wrote a message with the Lord this morning, and it, and it really fleshed out really good at the 9 a.m., and I'm hoping for the same this service. Um, but we're, we're so excited that at this church we're... It's kingdom. It's not about a building. It's not about a ministry growing here. It's about the kingdom growing. And, and today we have the Hefcocks back from Mexico. Good day. Welcome home. We have Nancy back from Africa. We still have an upper roomie in Haiti who's doing well, right? Yeah? Okay. And uh, we have a team leaving for the Caribbean this week. So we're excited for the nations that get to be touched just from this place. And um, so in that, we get to bring freedom. So this week, it's, it's the 4th of July week, it's Independence Day, all right? Everybody say freedom. freedom. Let freedom ring, you know? We, I believe in, uh, in that we live in the greatest nation on the planet. I've been to a lot of them. Uh, I think I'm up to like 20 nations or so that I've been to. And uh, man, this is the greatest place on the planet. I love pouring out. I love going and seeing other cultures and, and being a blessing while being blessed. How many have been on a missions trip, local or, or far away? Every time you go to serve, you think you're going to go bring something. You think you're going to pour out and you're going to bless these people or this area. And I'll be honest with you, every single time I've ever went out, I've received more than I've given. And I've been touched and humbled. And we had teams out yesterday, uh, a big team in the Dayton area doing the tornado relief. So we're so thankful for that. So I, I want to just talk a little bit about the history of the 4th of July. It's, it's a cool uh, holiday that's marked in the middle of our summer. And can we, can we do a little history lesson here? Is it okay? Yeah. All right, good. Um, the 4th of July was actually, it, it's, it was centered on the Declaration of Independence. It was actually written and signed by the original five on July 2nd. Anybody know that? So it was the 2nd of July, and then it was adopted and put into action by the 13 colonies on the 4th of July. So, so there's some funny facts with that. Now, this was in 1776, just post-Revolutionary War, and we, we then decided to, to declare our independence from Great Britain. And, and it's funny, there was five original writers or signers were Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Roger Sherman, Benjamin Franklin, and Robert Livingston. Now, it's funny because John Adams would not celebrate Independence Day on July 4th. He refused. He would only celebrate on July 2nd. If he, if he was invited on a train ride or a parade or to speak somewhere, he would not do it on July 4th. He boycotted because he signed the document on July 2nd and felt that Declaration of Independence and Independence Day should be celebrated on the 2nd. Funny thing, how many believe like God has a sense of humor? 
50 years later, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, John Adams who opposed it on July 4th, 50 years later, on July 4th, they both died. Old age, one was 90, one was 82, medical reasons, no trauma, and the guy that boycotted the 4th of July actually died on the 4th of July. It's, it's, I just feel sometimes the Lord has a sense of humor. But, but here's the point. So now we get to celebrate as a nation our independence from Great Britain, our independence, our freedom as our own nation. And it was built on the foundations of Christian principles, being able to, to, to worship Jesus, to worship the Lord freely any way that we wish, that we didn't have to be forced to be within the Catholic Church or, or the demands and the religious um, oppression put on by Great Britain. So we became independent, and it's this, it's this beautiful thing that we get to celebrate every year. Now, I just felt like the Lord was wanting me to parallel. I love doing this on holidays, actually, natural American holidays. I love tying that into the kingdom. And I just believe that we as believers, we as the people of God, we as, as the family of God, the bride, get to celebrate freedom every day. We get to walk freely based on what Christ did for us, and we get to have Independence Day every day of the year. Listen, the Bible says that when one sinner repents, angels in heaven throw a party. It says they rejoice. Now, if we can light off fireworks and do these things on the 4th of July and have picnics and cookouts and, and grill a lot of meat, Rachel, then, then <laughs> she's the house vegetarian for the 11 a.m. i got to pick on her a little bit. But at any rate, when we can do these things, so think how much more we can celebrate in the freedom as believers. The freedom from sin, the freedom from oppression, the freedom from, from ailments or, or whatever, like Nicole went after healing at the transition. Imagine the freedom that we get in Christ. Let's go to Galatians 5.1. It says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, Paul's saying, like, we're free because of Christ. We, we are free we don't need to be in the yoke of bondage or the yoke of slavery. One version says bondage. We don't need to be in a bondage anymore. Why? Because Jesus came to, sit, to set the captives free. So we get to be free. Ephesians 3.12 says this. It says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. One version says that we can approach the throne confidently with boldness. So, so here's, here's where I'm going with this. If we look at Galatians 4 and Romans 8 and we go through the word to where the Bible's talking and calling us sons and daughters, we now get to be free that we're no longer slaves. Listen, when slaves, you're all the same. And you've got to earn your way into the kingdom. You've got to earn your keep. You've got to earn your wages. You've got to earn your position even sometimes to get food or rights or these things. And orphans, and the orphan mentality or the orphan thinking of the orphan spirit, we don't belong. We're insignificant. We're insecure. We never can measure up. But see, here's when the Lord says that we're sons and daughters and we're no longer slaves and we're no longer orphans. He promises us to never leave us as orphans, but he's going to come to us. He'll return to us. His spirit dwells in us. So therefore, we can come boldly and confidently to him always. But let me get a little more clear. God is not some angry, disappointed, frustrated, frowning God. He is a happy God that's pleased with you, that is pleased with and delights in his, in his pleasures, delights in his craftsmanship, delights in the world that he created and the people. Are, we're his treasures. It doesn't mean we, 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 we are perfect or we don't ever like, like fall to temptation or sin. I'm going to get to what grace and sin is. 
But the deal is this, we as children no longer in slavery, we in freedom can approach him boldly with confidently that he's not this distant, far off judge that's just waiting for us to mess up to send us to hell. No, he's this happy, loving, kind father. He says he's closer than a brother. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's, he's a friend. So we can approach him with confidence and freedom as his children. This is a good news salvation. This is the good news gospel. Close your eyes with me. And I want you to picture a really happy, the biggest smiling Jesus you could ever imagine. Just picture a Jesus that's smiling over you. He's just delighting in you. Zephaniah 3.17, he delights in you. Isn't there freedom in that? How many pictured a happy Jesus just now? He's so happy. He's not this distant, far-off God. You know, when I, when I go to my dad's house, when I go, I, it's usually a quick knock just out of respect and making sure they're not doing things married people do. And then I walk in. And then when I get inside, I open up that refrigerator door, and I'm like, where's the Diet Dr. Pepper? And so treat myself on, on like, my eating plan. It's like, it's just, I need just a Diet Dr. Pepper. It's like, oh, that's like a sweet treat to me. All right? My, my dad, he's like, well... I do diet right because it doesn't have aspartame, so it must be healthy. No, but here's the deal. When my kids, they feel free, so they, when they're like, how many, know, how many kids are just always hungry? I'm hungry. You just ate. How are you hungry? We just ate. I'm hungry. No, you're bored. You're not hungry. You're bored. So what do we tell them? We're like, get in the cabinet. See what you want. You're old enough. Find something. You know, I don't need to make you a snack every time you're hungry. So what do we expect them to do? Get in the fridge. Take what they want. Get in the cabinet, take what they want. When I go to my dad's house, I look in the fridge, and if it's there, I take it. Why? Because I'm a son, and I'm free. I'm free to do that. He's given me permission as a legal right as a son because he loves me. See, so here we get to this place of freedom to where I want to define what freedom is and what it isn't and what sin is and what isn't. So the six points, not three points, not four points, the six points of independence. Point one, we're free. We are free. Let me go to Romans 6, 11 through 22. And I, I want to really talk about grace, and I want to talk about the perspective of sin. See, see, grace doesn't give us a legal right to sin. Grace gives us a freedom to not want to. See, when we're free, there's a relational component through Christ that isn't just doing things out of works or performance. It's not just not sinning because we don't want to go to hell. No, we're so captivated by the love of Jesus. We're so captivated and captured by the love of the Father that we don't want to sin because we're so in love. We've caught a gaze of his eyes. He's not looking for performers. He's not looking for people to earn their way in the kingdom. He's looking for laid down lovers because he is love and he gave himself for us out of love. So when we don't sin, and, we, and, and let me just define sin. This is the P-A-V, the Pastor Aaron version, okay? This is sin. It's doing or not doing anything that displeases God. Simple definition I give sin. It's not doing or doing anything that would displease the Father. That's it. So, so I believe that the word, let me just be very clear on this. The word is the infallible, authentic, true word. Like, it is, it is the absolute truth. Okay, and I believe there's black and white and sin. There's things laid out. And then I believe there's some things out there that are taboo in our world, like alcohol or tattoos or these things that might be taboo. That's where Holy Spirit as a person can convict and actually decide what we can and can't do as a believer, as a son, as a daughter. Are, are you in agreement with me? 
So then all of a sudden, once we, we, we accept Jesus as Savior, we accept what he did on the cross, we ask for forgiveness, he dwells in us, and by his resurrection, we become new creatures and free in Christ, then all of a sudden, there's a transformation that happens. The moment you believe in Jesus, you get saved. The moment you realize he believes in you, you get transformed. See, repentance is actually turning away from what you once did, and now through conviction, through relationship with Christ, you no longer want to do it. It's relationship. There's a repentance. It's you're thinking from the penthouse of righteousness. It's the upper, upper levels. It's the higher level of thinking. Come up here. I'll show you great and mighty things is what the Lord promises. So now all of a sudden, out of relationship, through repentance and conviction of Holy Spirit, now I see sin differently. I see myself differently, and I see my destiny differently, that I no longer want to be the old man because he's been crucified with Christ. The old man, the old nature is dead so that the new can live. And now I'm free from sin. I'm free in righteousness. Are, are you tracking with me? That's the foundation of what grace is. So grace isn't this, this, this fallback plan. It's not this thing to where, well, he loves me. I could just mess up any time. That, that is what happens. But out of the right heart, postured in relationship with Christ, it gives me the desire to not want to. I don't want my kids doing what's right and, and taking out the trash and doing these things that are their chores just because they're afraid I might control them or I might give them hassle time or whatever it is that we do in our house. Like Hadass is getting some serious hassle time today. She hassled the whole church. <laughs> just kidding. So here's the deal. I don't want them to do what's right out of fear of punishment. I want them to do what's right out of love of the Father. Out of love in our home, love out of relationship. So God is love. I don't want to do what's right in the eyes of God just to, just to avoid hell. I want to do what's right because I want to please my father and I want to be in love with him because I know he's in love with me. That's the motivator. God is love. We're rooted and grounded in love. And when things come out of love, they last a lot longer. When things come out of love, it's a heart change rather than an action change. The inside gets fixed before the outside. And all of a sudden, the trees of life begin to grow. These things begin to grow in us. Why? Because it's rooted and grounded in love to where our motivator is love, not obedience, not fear, not these things that begin to motivate us. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes I'm not opposed to those ever. I don't always feel like working out. Sometimes my motivator isn't like, yeah, I'm going to feel amazing afterwards. Sometimes my motivator is like, I just got to do this. But my heart always catches up. Like, like but the greatest motivation is love. Let me, let me move on here. Romans 6, 11 through 22 says it like this. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is full of so much meat. It's a lot, but it's good. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey the, its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but now under grace. Verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one who you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Verse 19, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. 
For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to what? Sanctification. 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you were ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, and in the end, what? Eternal life. Christ paid a price for us to have life and what? Life abundantly. More life than we could ever think, dream, or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 says that he'll do far abundantly, far exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Come on, now that's freedom. If there's anything to celebrate, it's a life in Christ. If there's anything to celebrate the independence, it's that I'm now free from sin and freed from the old nature. Now I get to live a life abundantly in Christ. The second point is we are independent as individuals. This is is so fun because um, this is talking about we as believers collectively are the body. But I have this full theology and belief that if there was just one of us on this planet, Jesus would have died the same death just for one of us. Just for one of our redemptions, just for one of our salvations, just for one of our healings. He still would have went through the entire crucifixion as he did and resurrected still just for one. One time he rode across the sea of Galilee just to cast a demon out of one person. Could you imagine rowing across an entire sea to cast a demon out of one person? Could you imagine the length and the depth and the height and the principalities he goes through just to love us as individuals? It's so amazing that as technology improves, we're finding new planets still. They're finding new planets so technology improves we can see further out and we're seeing there's more planets and each star is unique in itself. Each granule of sand is unique in itself. Each snowflake is unique in itself. Just like each one of us are unique in ourselves. That there is no one with the exact same DNA as you. There's no one with the exact personality or skin tone or hair color or eye color as you. It's absolutely 100% unique. Why? Because he loves us as a body, but he loves us as a person. He loves us as individuals. He loves us individually as one. So that way, when everybody's at the table, it's a full plate. It's a full table. But if there's one person missing from the kingdom, from the body, from this church, all of a sudden we're lacking. Why? Because you belong at the table. When they went to Jesse's house to find a king, David was out tending to the sheep. And what are they saying? No, wait, wait, there's still one brother. Now, he was the most looked down upon brother. He had the most minuscule job in the family. He was the runt. He was the the, the little tiny brother that didn't know anything. But what they say, no, wait, there's one more. He's supposed to be king. Listen, the Lord's inviting you to his table. He's calling you to be the kings of the earth. He's calling you to be the kings and the queens of the kingdom. Listen, he says he's the king of what? Kings. We are royalty and you are unique and you're amazing in yourself. And I'm telling you right now that he would have died just for you. Your little unique special way. Nicole and I, we were on the way back from, we had our, celebrate our 16th anniversary this weekend, which is a big deal to me. The last 13 years with Christ have been amazing, and it's such a huge accomplishment seeing that at three years we were going to get divorced. And so every anniversary, like, I'm just like, I'm the most loving, cuddly, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. We did another year, it's getting better and better. Ah. I love it. 
And, and we were on our way back, and this funny song came on, like it brought us back to our high school days, hashtag 1999. So, so this song came on, and it's not the most pleasant song. Like it's, I don't know, probably not the most godly, but it does say that we pray, and we pray, and we pray. Every day, every day, every day. Bone Thugs and Harmony, anybody? Okay, I'm not promoting them, all right? It's what grace is for. No, I'm just kidding. So... Anyway, this song comes on, and we're listening to it, and we're like, you know, we're getting into it. And then the song goes off, and she's like, do you think we like what we like based on our personality, the way we were wired, or based on what we were exposed to culture? Do we like this song because we heard it in high school, and now we like it because it brings up fun, silly memories? Or do we like it because there's something inherent in our heart or personality or being that just is drawn to that style or that beat or, or whatever? I'm like, yes, both. We as individuals have these personalities, these anointings, these giftings, these calls to where when each person is different, you get to reach the entire world around you. We as a body get to reach the entire community around us. Why? Because each of you are in a different industry, a different sphere of influence, a different makeup, a different personality, a different like. And, and, and I'm telling you, you'll reach the people I won't reach. It's amazing. I, I love thinking about how different we are. And we, as individuals, get to, get to celebrate Independence Day. We are independent of anybody else, but yet dependent on him. <sighs> so good. Let me, let me go to number three here. We can celebrate. How many partiers do we have in the house? When the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room, it says it looked like a party. They thought they were drunk. Like, it looked like this massive party. And, and let me just tell you, they're seeing flames on heads. They're all talking in different languages. Like, there is, there is something crazy good going on up in there. All right? And then what, what happens is they're like, no, we're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. We're drunk on the new wine. We're drunk on Holy Spirit. It looked like a party. And again, when one sinner repents, it says angels in heaven rejoice. Imagine the party. There's a few things. I, I love fireworks. Anybody else in here just love fireworks? I do. There's a few things that bring out like the inner little boy in me, all right? And, and a couple of them involve being a fireman, all right? Eli, are you with me? It never gets old. Cruising down the road in this big fat fire engine with lights, woo, ah, ah, blasting through a red light, right? Yelling at people to get over it, like that never gets old. Something rises up in me and I'm like, <laughs> this week we had a, a bad fire in Troy and we couldn't put it out. We were there for hours. We were trying to put it out and, and it had this, there was burning this fuel that we didn't have the right foam for. So my brother, who's the chief, calls uh, the Dayton airport. Like, they've got foam. They've got the right foam and they got a lot of it because we were dealing with a fuel. So he's like, can you come? They're like, no, we can't. So he calls Wright Pat. Wright Pat's like, yeah, we'll be there. And they come with this crash truck that looks like a full-blown tank. And I'm like, all of a sudden, that thing rolls in. I get my camera. I'm digging for my camera down in my gear. And I'm like, I was like this little boy filming this thing. And then all of a sudden, man, they cruise right up to the door where this fire was. They start blasting out their nozzles with all this foam blanket. Within 30 minutes, they had our fire out. And then behind that rolls in a 2,000 gallon. I'm getting excited. It's the inner boy. It's a little boy coming out. I'm free. 2,000 gallons of AFFF foam to refuel that foam truck. And I'm like, oh, man, these guys are awesome. 
When we're at Easton shopping in Columbus, the Columbus boys, they have these, these ladder trucks called tillers. All right, and Seattle has four or seven of them or something. Tiller is a special ladder truck where it's got this cab in the back of that ladder, and that, that guy in the back operates the back wheels turning. So, like, their crews, they could, like, go down the road like this. And, like, I see one of those in Easton. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, <gasps> same thing, fireworks. So I got the privilege as a fireman and a fire marshal inspector for five years that my job was to approve the fireworks for the city of Troy. So let me tell you what that job looked like. It's the only holiday I had to work a year, and, and I had to work it late until everybody was gone. But here's what we got to do. We got to go through, check off all the fireworks, check the paperwork, check the licenses, and then do some test booms. You know those white ones that really do nothing, but they're so loud? Oh yeah, those are my favorite. And it's like, now, now let me just tell you where I am. Here's what fireworks look like for me for six years. Ash is falling on you, dead birds are falling on you, and it's absolutely amazing. And I'm like, America. Well, let, me, let me redo that. It's like, America. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden the show starts and it's dark, and there's, it's going crazy. We can't even see what letter they're trying to spell. It's like, woohoo! And you're feeling it in your chest. So imagine the party they throw in heaven. If we celebrate a nation that way, if we celebrate a nation for independence, imagine heaven celebrating an eternal life in that way. Imagine the firework displays they have in heaven. Imagine the breakdancing they do, whatever else your party might look like. All right, blacklight party. I don't know what they are. Maybe you'll have the greatest rave on the planet up in heaven, you know? But here's the deal, like celebrating the goodness of God, celebrating eternal life, celebrating freedom. There is no freedom that compares to the freedom in Christ. Amen. There is no freedom in a nation. There is no freedom for happiness. There is no freedom for any of this except through Christ is where true freedom, true joy, true peace can only come from. So when I celebrate, I get to celebrate every day. Why? Because today is the day of salvation. Amen. Let me read one verse. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom, liberty. There is freedom wherever the Spirit of the Lord is. Oh, that's a good, good verse. I get to be free. I get to be free from oppression. I get to be free from what people think about me. I get to be free from the fear of man. I get to be free from sin. Why? Because the Lord's captivated my heart, my eyes, my mind, and I only want him sitting down there during worship today and it's like there's nothing better I'm just soaking in it there is nothing better than this moment right here free in Christ with no other worries nothing else going on except me just leaning my heart to the Father and him just lavishing me with this crazy love there's nothing better there's nothing more free than that knowing my eternal existence is with him forever knowing that I can be free knowing that nothing holds me bondage anymore because I'm the son of God let me move on to point four. This week, we're going to have a lot of picnics and cookouts and just lots of meat. It's going to be fun. Pool parties, you know, whatever it might be that you celebrate. Fireworks, festivals. That's community. When the Lord, I, I got to wrap this up, but when the Lord began to break bread or, or, or create tables, it was always for community. Can you imagine, even in the 23rd Psalm, where it's saying he prepares a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies? Yeah. 
He's creating a table for us to dine with each other, for us to dine even with enemies, even with those who oppose us. Why? Because love is greater than any other weapon of division that can manifest. There's this table, there's these picnic tables, and there's these good get-togethers. Why? Because community is so important to God, because unity is so important. Let me move on to point five, unity. Unity, one of the key things that the Declaration of Independence did was bring unity to our nation. On the 4th of July, the 13 colonies then signed and adopted this Declaration of Independence. Until then, there were still adversaries, or there were still divisions, and there were still people that wanted possible attachment to Great Britain. It was more security and safety. We see that throughout history in the Bible, the Israelites coming out of Egypt and slavery, at times journeying with Moses and looking back saying, ooh, we should just go back to slavery because at least we knew where our meal was coming from. At least we knew we'd be, have a bed at night. Amen. God's continuing to show these miracles to the Israelites and what freedom looks like. But freedom wasn't free. Freedom, what should have been an 11-day journey, ended up being 40 years. It's the same thing that, that during this time in 1776, there was people that still wanted the security and maybe the covering of, of Great Britain. But what this did was, when the 13 colonies united and signed, it represented the people. So now our nation was then brought to unity that we're all going to stand independent of Great Britain and be our own nation. It's the same thing in the kingdom, the unity of the body. The unity of the body is so powerful, even in disagreement, even, you know, I, I, like Steve Justice, he oftentimes talks about, he oftentimes talks about the big C church and, and what that looks like and, and that it's not about a denomination, it's not about a building, it's not about building a ministry, it's about the kingdom of God. Listen, our declaration of independence was signed, sealed, and delivered on the cross and inscribed in the word of God. That is our declaration of independence. And we as a body can gather around Christ being crucified and more importantly, being resurrected in heaven with the Father that we can have resurrection and new life too. That's the declaration of independence as believers. And we are free to do so. And it's amazing. It's, it's this cool thing to where now we come under this covering and unity. Let me just share one, one last story um, before we move on to the last point. Early in my marriage, like I said, we were, we were very proud of where we are. We were going to get a divorce at three years. I wasn't yet a solid believer. I hadn't really given my heart to Christ. Knew him, knew about him, dabbled a little bit. Dabbled? No, I'm just kidding. And we pray, and we pray, and we pray. We dare, we dare. No, I'm just kidding. So... But here's the deal. Back then, I was controlling and manipulative and narcissistic and, and, and untrustworthy. I was a cheater. I was, I was a, an adulterer. So I couldn't trust Nicole, and I couldn't trust anybody. And I didn't know what real relationship meant because I didn't even have a grid for real relationship with Christ. All of a sudden, I surrendered, and I began to, to learn about the Lord and learn about Him as a groom and, and learn about what it is to be a husband and learn what covering really is and learn what, what being a head of a house is. It's not being domineering and controlling and, and the final answer. No, a covering, when I'm providing a covering for my wife or even my children now, our daughters, it's not this thing to where, nope, now they're mine and they're my possession. No, they're the Lord's. The Lord's entrusted me to steward and, and, and pour into and disciple and love. So a covering actually looks like this protection to allow them to be individuals and be free to be themselves. 
So, so a covering looks like me providing this safe environment for them to, to grow up in a nurturing environment to be who God created them to be. So in this covering or in this safe place, it's like the church. We provide a covering for, for people in worship to yell out or to dance or to do these things. Why? Because that's how you worship. And God put that in your heart. And God put that in your heart to be that way and to be that creative or to do art or do these things. So we as a church provide a covering, a safe place for we to express ourselves the way God designed us to be. So covering takes on a whole new meaning, and, and, and headship of a house takes on a whole new meaning to where now we're, we're okay to be naked around each other. Adam and Eve, when they fell to sin, they were ashamed and they were afraid to be naked, even in the presence of God. Why? Because shame will do so many dangerous things in the dark. Sin will get you somewhere, but shame will keep you there. God created this covering, this safe place for all of us. God created this covering as an example for me to be covering to my family, for them to express and be who God divinely created them to be in their personality and their creativity and their amazingness, their beauty. So we, we get to the last point here. Freedom wasn't free. John 8, 31 through 36 says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will what? set you free. How many are thankful that the truth, the word of God, his promises, his promises fulfilled, set us free. It goes on to verse 33 and it says, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, You'll be free indeed. Listen, as children, we get to abide and we get to be free. And we, be, we have permission to be little boys and little girls with the great big dad. That's what freedom is. And when the son came to set us free, we were free indeed. And the truth, that truth sets us free, knowing that he was crucified for our transgressions. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I. Let me, let me end it with this. And the band can come. Let me end it with this. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Uh, let, me, let me just paint the picture of salvation is freedom. Today is the day of freedom. And in that context, the Greek word used in that scripture is today is the day of sozo. Sozo meaning saved, healed, and delivered. Now, there are times in our walk, initially in our walk, we need to be saved. We need to accept him as Savior, acknowledge what he did on the cross, accept that crucifixion and resurrection that we can live in eternity with him. Okay, we ask forgiveness of sins, he forgives them, plants them on the bottom of an ocean floor where they're unaccessible, and also forgives them as far as the east is to the west. That's, that's salvation. That's the gospel. It's the good news. It's amazing. Okay, so he came to seek and save that which was lost. So now we move on to healing. Cheryl, she had this radical healing last week, a week before last, and, and she was scheduled to get surgery a week ago Friday, all right? This, this invasive, bad surgery. And a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and uh, I'm just sharing your story. You can share it publicly. A few weeks ago, she, was, she came here. The intercessors were here. They prayed. They laid hands on her. She felt this burning. All of a sudden, she goes back to the, doc, the doctor, the surgeon. She's like, are you going to run one more scan or MRI or something to see if I still need the surgery before you do the surgery? Wasn't planning on it. No. I want you to. Because I was prayed for, I felt something change in my body, and I want one last scan before we go forward with the surgery. 
So guess what happens? She goes and gets the scan, goes to Kettering Troy Hospital, and guess what was confirmed? Every single thing was better than it ever was and returned to health beyond what it was before she ever started with an ailment. So then guess what happened? She saved her deductible. She canceled that surgery. The surgeon verified the results, compared them from the previous results, and it was confirmed by physicians that what they once saw was no longer there, creating a divine intervention that created, that was obviously a healing that led to no surgery. So instead of recovering in a hospital bed last weekend, she and Walt went on a date to Indianapolis. Yay, Jesus. So today is a day of salvation, saved, healed. God is still a healer today just as he was yesterday. Why? Because my Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and when? Forever. If the word is true and the word is the infallible, authentic truth, if it's absolute truth, why can I read that verse and still think that there's cessationism to where God doesn't heal anymore? It says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals. We're still witnessing healing. How do you explain that if there's not a God that still heals? The other thing is deliverance. Why don't you stand with me? Deliverance is this. If you stand, I'll hurry up. <laughs> deliverance. I believe that, listen, let me just paint this picture. If I believe in Holy Spirit, if I believe in God, I have to believe in the enemy. If I believe in angels, I have to believe in demons. And I have to understand they have an assignment to take you off track and they have an assignment that will distract you or that will try to ruin you and, and try to kill, steal, and destroy you. But God, now let me tell you my real theology in that is God's bigger, that the enemy is not some counterpart equal to God and an adversary that's equal to God. He's lesser than. I've read the end of the book and we win. I've read the end of the Bible. I've, I've read over and over where the enemy's been defeated and God's still alive. So although I believe in that and I believe in, in demons and all these things, I believe that God overall has victory over it and has already won that and paid the price for it. Okay? So in that, there is deliverance from spirits. There is deliverance from oppression. There is deliverance from depression. There's deliverance from demonic attacks. There's deliverance from that. So there's salvation, eternal salvation. There's healing, even in the natural. Nicole mentioned emotional, spiritual, all that. There's, there's healing, and then there's also deliverance. I believe this. We can be free in mind, body, spirit, and soul. Today is the day of salvation. He came to set the captives free. He came to seek and save that which was lost. That is not just two. That might be joy was lost. That might be now I'm walking in fear my peace was lost. That's, that's okay, I was believing this truth and now I'm believing a lie. Yep, that was lost. So now he's restoring truth. He's redeeming truth. And he's setting captives free. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Today is the day of salvation. Listen, I want to pray for you. And I want to, we're going to celebrate. He's so good. And then we're going to have a team of leaders that are going to pray for people. And, and if you need salvation, if you need healing, if you need deliverance of any kind, we want to be here and we want to pray for you. We want to lay hands. The Bible says lay hands on the sick and what? They will. They shall recover. We still believe in the laying on of hands. We believe in miracles. We believe in the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. We believe he's that good. And he is worth a big celebration. Amen.
So let me pray for everybody, and then we want to pray for individuals or couples if you like. Lord, we thank you for the redeeming blood that you shed on Calvary for us. We thank you for freedom, Jesus. We thank you that today and every day is a day of salvation, of being saved, healed, and delivered. We thank you for the liberty in you. We thank you that wherever your spirit is, which is everywhere in us and through us and around us, there is liberty. God, we thank you that you are the same yesterday and today and forever. Of anything to celebrate, we celebrate freedom and life in you, Jesus. We thank you for true freedom. We thank you for true life. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the redeeming love that you offer. We thank you that we are sons and daughters, that we're no longer slaves or captives or orphans or insecure, but we are free and we can approach you boldly and confidently. We celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just like give a big celebration?